1: Always great to have you company for Dwayne's World, another big hour still to come. Aaron Finch, retiring Australian T20 captain, to join us a little bit later on the program at his press conference earlier today. Big announcement, and one of the biggest stories in world sport has been the story that Manchester City is part of. Simon Hill is host of the Global Game, live across the SEN network from 9pm tonight. He's been good enough to join me, he is a Man City fan, so... If anybody knows the story, it'll be Simon Hill. So it's great to have him on. Welcome to you, Simon. Great to have you on.
0: Good to be with you, Dwayne. How are you?
1: I'm OK, but how are you? And what's this story read like to you? Well, look,
0: it's, uh, it's nothing new, really. I mean, this was a, uh, an investigation that was done by UEFA a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, as far as I can read it, the Premier League has uh, charged City uh, essentially on the same basis and they were encouraged to do so because UEFA conducted an investigation and a lot of people jumped up and down and said, well, you know, why isn't the Premier League doing the same thing? Um, so there, there are one or two little differences. Uh, some of the allegations are not time-barred as they, as they were with uh, the UEFA investigation, which incidentally went all the way to the court of arbitration for sports and ended up really with, you know, a little more than a, a slap on the wrist for Manchester City there, Uh, expulsion from the UEFA Champions League was overturned. Uh, They got a fine. And, look, that's possibly the way it could could end up this time, although, you know, people are getting excited, of course, because on the statute books are uh, the possibilities of punishment such as expulsion from the Premier League or stripping of the titles or transfer bans, heavy fines, points deductions, you name it. It, It's in there. So, look, I understand it's a big story, but... um, you know, really, the only new thing today, as far as I can see, is that it's the Premier League who charged Manchester City and, and not UEFA, as it was a couple of years ago. Essentially, on the same basis, and uh, you know, I think it's going to be just as as lengthy a, a legal battle. And uh, of course, it should also be stressed that you know City deny that they have done anything wrong, and uh, in a statement today, they've said that they they welcome the chance to you know to finally clear their name. So. You know, we'll see what happens. Um, it, it's it's a very murky world at uh, at the top of world football. And unfortunately, you know, this is what you get with a global game that is worth billions of dollars. It's very difficult to keep track of all the money, uh, particularly for laymen like us. And, uh, mm. you know, you hope the due process will be followed for the, for the Premier League. And look, if they're guilty, and I'm a Manchester City fan, have been all my life, then, you know, they deserve to be sanctioned. Simple as that.
1: But you don't think it's going to be a short timeline for a resolution? You think it's going to be a longer one?
0: Well, that would be my read on it because, uh, you know, this has taken four years, uh, this investigation, to get to this point, uh, where they feel as though they have uh, enough evidence to, to, you know, press formal charges. Uh, Manchester City, of course, will have banks of legal teams. There's a famous picture of you know, when they went to defend uh, the allegations made against them by UEFA and the Manchester City chairman, Khaldun Mubarak, was flanked, sort of, I think, by about 20 or 30 lawyers, uh, probably the best the best that money can buy around the globe. Um, so there'll be a fairly robust defence and uh, look, at, you know, I don't know if they're guilty or innocent and, you know, clearly it would look from the outside that there's no smoke without fire, but... Uh, you know, UEFA thought they had a pretty tight, watertight case as well against City in, uh, in 2019, 2020. So uh, it ended up going all the way to Cass and uh, and Cass essentially ruled in Manchester City's favour. So I don't know. It's it's going to be a lengthy process and, uh, yeah, we'll just have to await the
1: outcome. Well, let's take you to on the pitch then. Everton did you Man City a favour. Uh, low on the ladder, defeated Arsenal 1-0 and then... Tottenham, upset your apple cart. Huh.
0: Yeah, it's not been a good week for City, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I mean, Arsenal uh, have been so consistent this season, and uh, uh, to go to Everton, you would have imagined that they would get the three points, but uh, there, there were two words stood in the way of that, they being Sean Dyche, who is the newly appointed manager of Everton, taken over from Frank Lampard, who got uh, got the boot. And it was a very typical Sean Dyche team-like performance. They... Really put in, they dug in, and uh, they got the goal from James Tarkovsky. Uh, and Arsenal just didn't have any response. They, they weren't quite at the races, which is rare for them this season. City losing to Tottenham is, is no great surprise, to be honest. I think they've played five times since uh, the new White Hart Lane Stadium has been redeveloped, and City have lost on each occasion. I don't think we've even scored there. So it's become a bit of a bogey ground for City. Uh, but obviously, a big opportunity missed, given that uh, Arsenal slipped up. So it's it's as you were at the top of the Premier League table. Of course, the two, the top two, have still got to play each other on two occasions as yet. Um, but all this off-field stuff may have you know knock-on effects for Manchester City in particular, and you know whether that affects the players, whether it affects Guardiola, who's by the way said he, he will leave if the club has lied to him. He said he will walk. So you know that that's uh, that's how much the precipice City are, uh, are standing on at the moment.
1: And I notice that even though Arsenal play Brentford and Man City play Aston Villa, it's actually in nine days' time the first of those Arsenal Man City meetings.
0: Yeah, that's right. I think it's a midweek game, isn't it? So yeah, uh, I think that's at the Emirates as well. I might be wrong on that, but um, you know that will obviously give Arsenal a, a bit of an advantage and. Uh, Yeah, as I say, it remains to be seen what, uh, you know, mental effects, all this off-field stuff uh, has on Manchester City. And I I do note also that uh, it's been reported today in the UK media that uh, the rival clubs in the Premier League, (laughs) here's a surprise, uh, are pushing for a quick resolution to this because they want the sanctions in place before the end of the season. I mean, you know, no self-interest there, of course, at play at all. Uh, from the teams that are in the Premier League that have made these charges who uh, happen to be City's uh, biggest competition. But anyway, that's a, that's another story.
1: So what in the EPL, before we leave that, uh, is the biggest sort of inter- individual story people are talking about? Is it Harry Kane's possible sale? Is it Mo Salah's drop in form? What's What's been the biggest talking point there?
0: Well, I mean, there's so many talking points in the Premier League. I would guess that... Uh, Harry Kane breaking Jimmy Greaves' Spurs record, which he did at the weekend with that goal, the winner against Manchester City. Uh, is 267th for the club is the biggest individual story. Uh, I guess the biggest uh, team story of of the season in terms of on-field form has been the drop-off with Liverpool. Um, I mean, they they just had a a really baffling campaign. They just have not been at the races all season. Lost 3-0 to Wolves. Uh, at the weekends, although Jurgen Klopp said the third goal didn't count because it shouldn't have stood. So Wolves cheekily put on their social media accounts that they only won 2-0 <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. with the name of Neves, the, uh, the third goal scorer crossed out. Um, but on a serious note, I, I think that's obviously something that Jurgen Klopp, if he's going to stay there next season, really has to address because it's not just been a little drop-off in form, it's it's been a drop-off a cliff. Uh, and, you know, they're going to struggle to make the Champions League, uh, let alone challenge for silverware this season. So, yeah, that's the biggest head-scratcher, I think, for me this season so far.
1: To the A-League, Melbourne City, after three draws in a row, bounced back big time.
0: They did absolutely belted MacArthur by six goals. to one, a hat-trick for Richard to who we're going to speak to on the global game tonight, so with myself and Alex Brosk, uh, another couple for Jamie McLaren, um, and they're now well clear at the top of uh, the A-League because the Mariners, uh, of course, were beaten by Sydney FC. It's it's going to take a very good team to stop Melbourne City. And, of course, Radha has uh, been given his reward. He got uh, the head coaching job on a full-time basis in succession to Paddy Giznobo this week as well. So congratulations to him. It's a, a, probably a no-brainer, to be honest. You know, it wasn't broken, so why fix it?
1: And is that... True of, you know, as it is in a lot of sports, uh, stability in a club helps. You've been talking about with the Man City has been sort of knocked off a little bit with the doubt and this investigation. Well, Melbourne City now with the stability only going to enhance their chances?
0: Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, continuity is important. Um, and Rado Betisic has been around the club for a long time. He, he knows uh, what uh, the, the style of football they play. He knows the players... Um, I guess the only instability it creates is uh, the changing coach with the women's team because that was Rado's job before he took over initially on an interim basis from Paddy Kisnobo. Uh Strangely enough, his son, Dario Viticic, has taken over the, the women's team, so uh, maybe there won't be too much instability there. I, I guess the only thing you can say about Melbourne City, and again, sorry to keep harking back to the uh, you know the top story, but they are also part of the City Football Group who, yeah. of course, are very very heavily involved in, in the running of uh, the A-Leagues via the APL. So whether there's any uh, knock-on effects, I'm not for a minute suggesting that there any, is any financial impropriety in Melbourne City, by the way. Um, but, you know, the ownership uh, group is the same. And, um, yeah, I guess that could uh, lead to questions being asked about uh, their involvement in football in Australia as well.
1: Speaking about questions being asked, you've got the FFA CEO James Johnson on the show tonight, I understand. We
0: do, yeah. We've got a a chat with James Johnson coming up uh, about a whole range of matters, uh, specifically the National Second Division. Of course, the governing body asked for expressions of interest from clubs around the country this week, uh, with a view to that uh, competition starting in early 2024. Uh, There's also the issue of uh, Graham Arnold's new contract and, of course, the FIFA Women's World Cup, which is coming up in a few months' time. So a fair bit to get through with, uh, with James tonight.
1: And who is the front-runner for the next A-League franchise or two A-League franchises? Um, we're talking about the expansion of the BBL and the NBL. You've been talking about expanding the A-League and having the second division for a while. Who's the front-runner at the moment to land a new franchise at the time that it gets, to, gets the tick?
0: Well, that's a good question. And, um, you know, a lot of people, probably myself included, would prefer... Uh, the expansion clubs to come from uh, existing outfits via a national second division. But given that, you know, that's going to need a few years to bet in, and I'm aware that the A-League men's competition want to get up to 14 clubs as soon as possible, and I completely understand that because you want a proper home and away season, 13 home, 13 away, 26 games in total. Uh, now, what I'm led to believe is that uh, Canberra and Auckland are the mm. two preferred cities. I don't know if that's 100% correct. That's only what I'm hearing. Um, I think Canberra, probably fair enough. It's it's probably a bit silly that we have a women's team in Canberra, not a men's, and obviously it is our capital. Uh, Auckland is a slightly different kettle of fish. It's a big city, obviously probably the biggest city in You know, Australasia not to be represented in the A-League at the moment, over a million people. So I sort of understand it on one level. Uh, Should we be going to New Zealand for a a second club? I I don't know. I think there's a lot of people in Australia who would probably be uh, against that. Personally, I would prefer to see a second club in Queensland. I think the size of that state, the amount of players there are in Queensland, I would prefer to see uh, a second club there and specifically to to give a real big challenge to Brisbane Roar uh, who could certainly do with that at the moment, so uh, that would be my choice. But uh, yeah, I, d- I don't make those decisions. I'm forty above my pay grade, Dwayne.
1: No, but you're above mine, so that's why I ask you the question because you know <laughs> more about it than me. What I do know is that I'm not sure it did the NBL a favour having the New Zealand Breakers win. I think it was three championships in a row, or three in four years. So we've got our competition here. I'm a bit fearful it might never happen. But if Auckland and Wellington made the grand final, it would sort of, it might not be great for the A-League? Is that wrong? Well, uh, given that
0: the, uh, the grand finals have been sold to Sydney, it's still going to be in Australia. That's true. Of course. <laughs> um, so, of course. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I take your point that that wouldn't be ideal, but look, I, I guess if you're going to have a pan-Australia stroke-New Zealand competition in both sports, then you've got to accept that that's a possibility.
1: Hmm. Um,
0: whether that's the right, uh, you know, path to pursue, and that's up for for other people to decide uh, as i say in terms of the you know the population base maybe the commercial growth which you know clearly is, is obviously a priority for a lot of sports uh, these days I, I get why they would be thinking in those terms but um in terms of where the competition should go and this is i stress it's only my view i, I think we need a second team in queensland and uh specifically to provide. Some competition for Brisbane Roar, who have underperformed as a club on and off the pitch for, for quite some time. But, um, you know, that's that's only me. And uh, my view, I can tell you here and now, won't make one iota of difference.
1: Uh, don't underrate your opinion, Simon. <laughs> uh, you've got the boss on the program tonight. Make sure you throw it at him. Great to have you on. I'll be listening tonight. We we'll look forward to talking to you soon.
0: Cheers, Duane, all of us.
1: Simon Hill, uh, the voice of world football, host of the Global Game, live across the SEN network from 9pm tonight. So you heard what Simon had to say. We'll take a few of your calls after the break. Still got a double pass to South East Melbourne Phoenix's final this Thursday against the Perth Wildcats, the first ever home final in franchise history. Tickets are still available at Ticket Tech, but we've got a double pass to give away. Um, The next franchises, I mentioned it yesterday with the BBL. Um, There is thought that the the BBL should have a New Zealand franchise or two in it. But there's also this thought that maybe Geelong should get a BBL franchise. I mentioned yesterday that it wouldn't surprise me if Geelong tries to lure the Renegades to play more home games or at least tries to get the Renegades to be based in Geelong. But the next franchise for the BBL should it be New Zealand. The next franchise for the NBL, just had a chat to Tommy Greer about whether it would be a Tigers coming back in. Simon Hill. It just told us that an existing uh, alien, or an existing soccer club in Australia would be fantastic to bring straight in rather than creating a new franchise, even though he supported a second team out of Brisbane. Your thoughts on all of that? one three hundred seven three six seven three six if you've got a thought is the open line number or if you can't dial the number, oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Send through a text on the Temper forty Winks text and Aaron Finch still about fifteen minutes away. So your calls until then.